Mercedes have done it. They finally won a race this year, but the winners come from George Russell in a scintillating Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. This is episode 246, where we are reviewing this year's Sao Paulo Grand Prix in Brazil. I'm your host, Tom Horrocks, the voice from the mist, as I'm having uh, technical issues, so you currently can't see me, but that's more for the better for everyone else. Joining me today as well is Grid Talk host, Owen Medford. Yeah, hello. Max Verstappen fanboy, Tom Downey. Hello. And Philip Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. And if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We will shout out everyone who leaves uh, leaves us a review on our next show. And if you leave us a review, you will automatically be entered into a monthly prize draw to win some fabulous Grid Talk merchandise. And uh, if you haven't done so already, why not subscribe to us on YouTube and click the bell to let us know when we're going live. We're normally live, but again, due to other technical issues completely independent of these ones that I'm having, we have no live stream today, unfortunately. Um, but uh, we will be back to normal next week for Abu Dhabi. We are nearing 800 subscribers on YouTube, with, even without our technical problems. So we have lots of video content for you to get your teeth into. So give us a thumbs up, share and comment because uh, we love hearing from you. If you've got any questions you want to ask us during our live streams, then we will attempt to open the answer those in the post show also. So we're going to go straight into the race then. So we had a sprint, uh, a sprint race, which, uh, which was George Russell's first race win in Formula One. But his first Grand Prix win has come today, Owen. And uh, pole, fastest lap, win, sprint win. Give the boy a car and he delivers. Yeah, he certainly does. I know a lot of a lot of people don't seem to think that, but you know, you can't really put you can't really say that George Russell did anything wrong this weekend at all. You know, and he put an overtake on Max Verstappen, who, as we know, is not exactly the easiest guy to get past. And George Russell did have to do some work to get there. Um, so you know, it's it's, it's an excellent maiden race win the, the entire way around. Yeah, I mean, obviously he did, <laughs> he did have a bit of an issue in qualifying, but even that seemed to go his way. So you know, it just seemed like this was his lucky weekend, and uh, you know, he executed that perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, moving on to, to Lewis Hamilton, Tom, uh, your uh, your favourite driver besides Max Verstappen, I am absolutely certain. Uh, he's uh, He had a, a troubled race, actually, but came back through for, for second place. Perhaps a little bit of luck with the safety car. If he'd have done the strategy he wanted to do, may well have on another day won that race, but uh, but wasn't to be and uh, came through second place. How did you rate his performance today? Uh, I thought it was a bit of a vintage Hamilton performance today. He had a good start from Paul. You know, he didn't he didn't risk sort of any stupid moves on his teammates. You know, he pretty did have it in the back of his mind that, oh, you know, I really want to get a race win, you know, at least one time this season because obviously he's got one chance left before before the year's first ever win the season in F1. I thought, you know, with, with the safety car, you know, a first, uh, you know, when that radio message came on, but when, uh, you know, when he said, oh, the cars behind me are going to be on newer, softer tyres. I think for a split second he, he probably had like Abu Dhabi flashbacks intensified, but um, but no, he he held it really well. He controlled the pace behind him. The Ferraris were never really a threat. Uh, he never really challenged Russell. I mean, he had a bit of a nibble at both the restarts, and he he really took a big chunk out of our Max. We'll get onto that in a minute. But yeah, you know, he just uh, he looked like he was not destined, but he looked like he was sort of settled into second place today which uh, you know he'll probably be a bit disappointed that, that he couldn't win and he was obviously a bit irate when Mercedes pissed him to cover off Perez I think midway through the race because I, I questioned why he was boxing at the time but I understand why they did it and you know the safety car sort of negated that anyway 
but obviously they didn't know a safety car was going to come out in the first place. So, yeah, all in all, I thought it was actually a really, really, really good performance from Hamilton. I wouldn't have said driver of the day for him, only because I would have said Carlos Sainz for driver of the day, given where he started compared to where he finished, and given he had you know Ferrari strategy to contend with, which is like, which is like trying to win a hundred meter sprint with no legs. But other than that, I can see why he was voted driver of the day. Yeah, uh, absolutely, a strong performance from the like you say, a, a vintage performance. But uh, again, safety cars just not quite falling for him. But uh, I think to be honest, George had him covered. Even you know, even at the restart, there he had three laps younger tyres than Hamilton. But you know, he still he still pulled out a huge gap right at the end. There, those last two laps, he just he just drove away from him. And I think any any thought that Hamilton had, he was was, was evaporated come lap 70 when George started pulling out a gap. But Carlos Sainz finished off the podium and once again, a tear-off in the brake duct ruins his race to a degree, but then the, the safety car brings it straight back for him. Given the uh, the medium tyre offset, was was his shot of winning? Did he really have a shot of winning in this race, Phil? Because there were times where I thought he may have been the person to, to potentially upset the apple cart at the front there. I mean, I think he had great pace time. I mean, this race yesterday... He was up there, finished second in the sprint, uh, had to give up the five-place grid penalty, of course, today. And he had good pace on the start, was able to move up. He seemed to be the only guy that was kind of in the mix with George and with Checo, at least in the first stage of the race. Yes, to you know, tear off getting into the cake uh, pan or whatever. Uh, part of the right rear brake uh, was a problem and it reset their whole entire race. But Carlos seemed to be pushing the whole race and was running really well. And it, he's probably had maybe a couple other performances, you know, his British Grand Prix win stands out the most, but where you see that kind of pace and that um, advantage, he, he has a, a more steadier head, even with the BS that, Ferrari polls. He had the better weekend in general, even though he had to take a grid penalty, maximizes his weekend and gets uh, another third place finish at the side of his first career podium. He's only six points behind Lewis for fifth in the driver's championship. So that's still in play, depending on what they do next week at Abu Dhabi. So, I mean, considering where they started the weekend, knowing he was going to take a grid penalty, um, he performed, he was, he did a solid, strong job all weekend and coming through the third place finish in a disadvantaged situation. Credit to Carlos Sainz, um, keeps the gap. Ferrari was able to minimize their point loss that they were looking at a few laps before, um, to Mercedes in regards to the constructors. It's 19 points in that sense. So that'll be a little harder for Mercedes to overcome next week. Yeah, absolutely. I'd actually completely forgotten about his five-place grid drop. So that's that just goes to show as well what a what a great performance that he has done. Because that was obviously nothing nothing to do with him. That was that was the team's decision to give him that new engine. And uh, his teammate Charles Leclerc, the same name but in a different language, he found himself fighting for for a podium at the end. There. What did you make away of his protestations to be let past his teammate right at the end? And uh, and how how do you think his race went? Um, I, can, I, I think it's a totally fair thing to ask about. You know, we're getting right to the death of the season. Okay. Carlos Sainz can't lose anything at this point and probably isn't, you know, we, we saw that Mercedes just had too much speed for anyone. But, you know, it took him 21 races or or whatever it was, 22 races to get there. But yeah, there's no way that I don't, I don't think uh, Carlos Sainz is going to 
be getting ahead of Lewis Hamilton in the championship. So, you know, I, I, it makes perfect sense to me that they, they sh- probably should have switched around the two Ferraris, you know, to try and get that second place in the championship. Then again, I do take the point from Martin Brundle and, and the Ferrari team themselves in that, you know, they weren't safe to Alonso, who would absolutely love to poach probably a third place off a botched swap around of those two drivers. Uh, you you can't take away that third place that Carlos absolutely earned his way to. You know, I think the, the saving grace for Charles is is actually Red Bull's inability to make that swap, um, obviously for completely different reasons. So, you know, it, it, it does bring it down to that last race, and maybe it'll be a bit it'll be a bit easier for for Charles to secure that second place in the in the drivers' championship. Then again, that is a consolation prize. Let's be honest, um, for Ferrari, you know, to, to, to just to get second place in a in a championship that doesn't really matter. You know, I, I think it's uh, indicative of Ferrari's season in some ways. Yeah, I mean, Carl, um, Charles Leclerc himself has actually said that he doesn't really care about second place, and uh, but he seemed to care quite a lot about it when it was a teammate ahead of him and a podium on offer. So he thinks he's protesting a bit too much there. Next up was Fernando Alonso, somebody at uh, the second best Spanish driver of the day, somebody who I thought uh, had an outside chance of a podium there right at the end, and uh, a, a great result for Alpine and constructors, starting with a um, you know with a fifth place for Fernando, and and but that relationship with Ocon, Tom now surely completely dead going into the final race together. Our relationship has crumbled harder than the one I had with my ex, honestly. Um, those who are just, they're just completely toxic with each other now. And bearing in mind, they had, if you think about like Hungary last year when they were like peak bromance, that was when they were in the honeymoon period. The honeymoon period is long, uh, long gone. And I think this was this was completely proven by when um, Ocon was told to let Alonso pass and Ocon threw an absolute hissy fit on the radio. I understand why as well, to be fair. That whole relationship that, uh, that Alonso has got with, with Ocon and with Alpine and Team Enstone, it's just crumbled into nothingness. I mean, he'll, like I said, I say, he'll still be back in three years and his ashes will be scattered there because he loves the place. And, you know, he's, just, he's got an unhealthy obsession with the team Enstone. But yeah, in terms of his drive today, I mean, perhaps a little bit fortuitous with the safety car coming out when it did. And and there was a period where a load of cars uh, pitted, which would have swapped the order a bit and dropped a few cars out the points. I think Mick Schumacher was one of them. Because uh, I noticed it on the leaderboard, it was, it was sort of like half a dozen cars sort of all pitted at once, uh, about a third of the way into the race. And it must have been there that Alonso benefited. I didn't notice what happened at the start. I don't know if he had one of his vintage starts, you know, where he sort of like lights through the field and overtakes five cars before we get to turn one or what. I, 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 didn't, I didn't see it. I was too busy focusing on the front. But yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately in F1, you know, something which I say quite a lot is you play the hand that you were dealt and he's been dealt this hand and he has grabbed it with both hands. I mean, he's a lot of hand puns and yeah, he's, he's dragged, dragged that car to a pretty damn impressive P5. Given that McLaren had a double DNF, which obviously we'll get into in a bit, and the battle that Alpine have with the McLaren in the Constructors' Championship... This could be huge for fourth in the constructors. Yeah, absolutely. That that looks like that fight may well be up now. With this out now, I think Alpine one hundred and sixty-seven, McLaren one hundred and forty out. Yeah, it's a it's it's a big it's a big swing, and with the, with the pace of the McLaren and the the pace of Daniel Ricciardo in particular, that that fight now is is well and truly over. 
And uh, Max Verstappen, whose fight for the championship is well and truly over, but uh, he certainly wasn't willing to give up any places today, was he, Phil? And uh, race completely defined by um, what we thought would have been that crash early on, but really his refusal to let Checo through. What did you make of it? Um, and also, obviously, the uh, the rest of his race with the collision with Hamilton as well. Well, it's typical. I mean, yes, he's won 15 Grand Prix or whatever. He'll probably win this next race and or 14, 15, whatever races he's won. He's world champion, two years running. But you see the other side of the guy. You know, yesterday they, I guess, made a mistake with their tire strategy. Didn't put him on softs. They put him on mediums and he was kind of out there, kind of hung out to dry. Didn't seem all that happy about it. Um, they were trying to play it off as though he was getting better strategy for today. He didn't have as much pace as even Checo um, in this race. Uh, the the strategy then flipped over towards in the wrong way for Checo. Um, he went and protested on the radio. Um, I mean, it's the same crap they did in Mexico too, so it's not like it's surprising. But he protested on the radio then he goes into the pen after the race and says well i wasn't going to back off well well sparky there's 19 people that drive around you like you're a god and there's one person that treats you like what you are and it seems like you guys seem to get together more than other people it just happens to be the two best drivers on the grid so and probably the two most toxic fan bases in formula one on top of it but when you have had such a great year this year and you've won the driver's championship you've won the constructor's championship running away bringing that kind of toxicity into play um doesn't seem to be the greatest thing uh for team morale or for the team moving forward i mean i guess they signed enzo fittipaldi and then they have nick devries so they figure they have their next person that's going to roll over for them due time but Today wasn't one of his best performances by any stretch of the imagination. I was surprised they actually gave him a penalty. I thought they would give the penalty to Lewis because that's what they usually do. Um, but in the end, his penalty, he didn't need the penalty. His penalty was the damage he got. Um, the pit stop was 10 seconds, they say, but they by that point, he was nowhere. And, you know, for as good of a race, as good of a season as he's had this year, you know, sometimes it doesn't go so well. And we see how it goes when it doesn't go so well for him. So I figure he'll come back next week and he'll go back to what he usually does, win the pole, win the race, and, and nobody will see him. So that, then he'll get to leave with 15 wins this season. But today and this weekend definitely wasn't one of those weekends for him. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's surprising, really, that given that he had all these problems today and obviously the 10 second pit stop to change the rear wing then a, or the front ring while then another 10 second pit stop to serve the five second penalty and dropping down the field for the time lost yet he still came ahead of Sergio Perez Owen so he didn't seem to have the pace today and I know there was fortune that favoured Verstappen with the with the safety car and Perez was a bit of a sitting duck on the old tyres but he played the team game well let Verstappen through so he could attack the others and uh, even if his teammate didn't reciprocate but I mean, how do you how do you rate his race and really his season in general? Because I'm 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 one of those people that is not entirely convinced by Sergio Perez. What's your thoughts? I think Sergio Perez is kind of well aware of the the position he's in. I think he's now painfully aware of the position he's in. However, you know, we all remember multi twenty one. I kind of I don't think there's anything he could have done about that, and I don't think it would have served him well to 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 kick up a fuss 
you know, by by slowing down Max Verstappen, as you said, when he was passed earlier today. Obviously, he doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the speed. Uh, I will show the sign. But, you know, this this is, I, I should have really put it further back because uh, this is the elephant in Red Bull's room. You know, if you're listening, it is a multi-21 sign. And because uh, it, it, it keeps coming back to haunt them. It's fairly obvious that Max, that Max Verstappen is a faster driver. I don't think that's going to come as any surprise, bearing in mind that he's younger he seems to, you know, and Sergio Perez has always been a bit more of a utility driver by comparison. But, you know, I, I do feel sorry for Sergio Perez because he has put in, as he said, and, you know, as he said in the interviews, as we all thought, I mean, sorry to hijack your point here, but, you know, he's just, he's really gone to bat for for the team multiple times. And, uh, and, and you know, for a, for a second time in about 10 years, we've got Red Bull who, who, seemingly i imagine they they will be unable to remind the lead driver who pays their bills you know i think max verstappen and his team need to remember that it does say max you know it, it says it's a contract between red bull and max verstappen and uh and i know he's won two world titles but he really should get out of the way regardless of what happened what may or may not have happened in monaco you know he can throw his red bull out the pram as much as he wants but you know when it comes down to it this is a short-sighted move that he's pulled on a lot you know some on a driver who does think in the long term and has thought in the long term you know for for the good of teams that he's been in uh and that is i think the 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 value of sergio perez he does think about that he doesn't think i'm gonna be an uncompromising driver who takes what i want um to the detriment of everyone and anyone else who gets in my way and i think that maybe tom that's why maybe he's not the fastest but there's many faster drivers who aren't driving in formula one whereas sergio perez you know not 10 years ago was getting was ruffling the feathers of of, of the gri- of, of the top end of the grid, and yet he's still here for for various different reasons. And it's partially probably because he does, you know, he's a team player on that one. So I think that's the the value of Sergio Perez. And I hope that this time Red Bull get it a bit different, and they uh, and they sort of um, I, I guess understand the utility of what they've got. Hopefully they make it up so that next year, if it's if it gets a bit marginal, Max Verstappen doesn't end up, you know, ruining the decision he's made today. Yeah, and I think one thing as well, even if there was anything said about Monaco and 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 Perez potentially potentially you know purposely messing up to get the pole, he was fighting for a world championship then, and and he's proved multiple times since then that he will move aside for Max Verstappen, and uh, and I don't think Max Verstappen's season is going to be defined on whether he finished sixth or seventh in the Brazilian Grand Prix, but unfortunately his his refusal to obey team orders just might. So that's kind of a bit of a bad legacy that he's set aside there, and it's kind of put a bit of a sour point in the season for me. I, I was I was fully expecting him to let him past, and uh, and he didn't, and it was a bit of a surprise for me because I I thought he's been a, a lot better this this year when it comes to you know his kind of being a human being in general. But but yeah, he's kind of proved me wrong a little bit there. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. But um, another person as well. He's who's had a bit of a been quite defiant as well. Tom Esteban Ocon. He was uh, very defiant with his team when when he was told yeah, that to let Fernando through. Was he was he right in in what he said? Given what had happened in the weekend already, or or should he just have have towed the line? I know you've touched on this already, but do you want to elaborate some more? No, you should have towed the line. Team orders are team orders, as we just talked about with Max. And regardless of what race you're having, you don't you you know, your teammate might be having a different race. And if you look at where Alonso finished, this is exactly why. You know, he Alonso could have been on the podium. You know, the Ferraris would have tried to swap position as we talked about. So also, uh, you know, you know, Ocon. You know, 
it's one thing to ask a question, you, you know, to, to say, oh, are you sure why we're we doing this? But to then go on and on and on and start arguing effectively with your um, your race engineer, that doesn't look very good. And Alpine is not a happy camp at the minute. You know, it must. I really do think it's the Otmar Safnauer effect because everywhere he goes, he just seems to be miserable. I mean, you know, could, could you imagine going to, going to work every day thinking, oh, for God's sake, I've got to report to that knobhead? Um, I try not to swear then. You know, it's just, um, it's just not, I tell you, what, I'll say that again, we can cut that out. The Alpine camp just does not look like a happy camp at all. Could you imagine having to go to work and dealing with that every day? You know, it's just, it's just, it's not good for you. And that's probably partly why Alonso has left. I mean, Ocon, it's only going to get worse next year because he and Gasly do not like each other, as we know. And can you imagine trying to force team orders between those two? You know, Ocon is like a French George Russell. And, and Gasly is, well, Gasly, he, you know, decent driver, but very, very arrogant. It's uh, it's just, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just like, you know, Ocon just, sometimes I think we forget how young these drivers are. And drivers like Max and Ocon and, I mean, Leclerc less so. Well, I'll put him in there because he's been in F1 for four years now. Um, no, five years because he joined in 2018. They've been in the sport a long time, and they're still young. You know, they're they're they're, they're certainly younger than me. Which um, in our to be fair, but it's like you know they they are at the sort of uh, the top echelons of motorsport, and yeah, I cannot even begin to imagine the pressure that they're under, both you know mentally and and then obviously with all the physical sort of pressure on them when they're in the car but it's it's no excuse for saying what you're saying and it's no excuse for arguing with people who are who are in better positions to make informed decisions so Ocon needs to wind his neck in to be honest um he needs to trust in the team which sounds like it's pretty difficult at the minute um you know, Alpine haven't exactly covered themselves in glory this year. You know, yes, they've come fourth in, in the constructors. Well, then you beat a fledgling McLaren that basically only had one driver because the other one was a complete donut. Um, so what do you really want? You know, a, a job well done. Are you really going to toast that? So, I mean, you know, so I've just gone in on them a bit here, but I think they kind of need it. Not that they're going to be listening. What, Ma? You listening, bro? You know, something, something needs to change at Alpine, whether it's management or what. But also, I've got to give props to, I can't remember Ocon's race engineer's name, sorry, but his race engineer who was who was saying, we will you know, discuss it after the race, all the rest of it. And Ocon was saying, you know, no, why would you know, do it now, blah, blah, blah. But his race engineer was absolutely right in saying, you know, we'll talk about it after the race. You know, we won't air it in public, which is actually the right thing to do, which Otmar didn't do yesterday. So Alpine just need to complete the, the winter break kind of come soon enough for them. So they can get um they can get toxic Alonso out, get Gasly and let those two like fight over who goes in the front seat of the car on the family holiday because they were still children. And yeah, hopefully next year will be a better year for them. I would say I kind of I disagree slightly with you, Tom. I mean I think Ocon was was right to say let's do it, you know, on the next straight. 
you know, let's not do it at the start line. But I don't think that's what they were asking him. They were just asking him to not fight Fernando. But uh, but he certainly has the right to suggest it. But um, but I think maybe he probably went a little bit far with it. But um, that's just my opinion. Um, if you disagree with me, then then please you know put a put a comment and uh, and we can have a chat about it. But um, Valtteri Bottas next up, two points for Nigel. It keeps Alpha ahead of Aston. Well, I mean they were they not quite ahead of Aston. They're they're five points clear, I think. And so two points it gives them a gives them a decent a decent push ahead. It seems that the late upgrades uh, seem to be giving them the edge at the moment in that particular battle. Do you agree with that, Phil? I mean, the fact that the Alfa Romeo actually finished a race is a win in itself. Valtteri's had quite a rough time this year with that. So the fact that he was able to go and uh, have a decent run and stuff, you know, get through. And he was up there up to sixth, I think, before all those pit stops happened, you guys had mentioned earlier. I mean, it's a good run for them, good race. Um, Joe got stuck within all the strategies. So, I mean, to take that five-point lead going into Abu Dhabi, knowing that the Aston Martin um, right now, I think, is the better car, and Vettel deserved a way better result than he got, uh, the way he raced today, it was a lost opportunity with the way the pit stops and strategy went. But in the case of Botas, they were able to actually kind of get ahead of it and be able to beat that. And um, essentially for what their car really is, to still be sixth in the Constructors Championship with a, with a decent shot to hold that, it's going. Um, that's a good result because they've had so many DNFs you know, this year you know, power unit issues, we have um, damage, contact. So for, for Botas, this year, of course, has been a, a year, you know, being a team leader, essentially, again, for the first time since his Williams days, um, to, in the opposite of what Alpine situation seems to be, the Alpha Sauber situation seems to be much healthier, much more positive as the years are going on. So for Valtteri, I'm trying to also, I'm trying to go and check the drivers here for a second. He's right now 10th, and he's going to finish 10th unless Sebastian Vettel has a huge result or Daniel Ricciardo. Well, that's not going to happen. But um, Sebastian Vettel has a huge result next week in his final Grand Prix. Uh, Valtteri Botas is going to finish 10th in the World Championship with the Sauber which you consider last year was ninth in the Constructors. So great job by them this year. and. Um, Great job by Valtteri. Even in a lot of, they've had a lot of issues for them to recover um, and be ahead of some teams that generally have better cars. The the Aston Martin being the most, uh, the biggest example of that at the moment to be able to hold on. That's a good job by them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we move on to the Aston Martins now, Wayne. And uh, last lap, Lance takes the final point off Vettel right at the death. Unlucky for Seb, especially given that he seemed to seemed to be the quicker driver all weekend. I, I didn't see exactly how it happened, but I guess Lance probably had a better tyre offset right at the death. What what happened with Aston Martin today? Well, I mean, yeah, well, it's like you say. I mean, it, you know, Stroll has pulled a sort of blinder there. And I was, I've been trying to work out based on the tyres how, how Vettel's kind of allowed that to happen he start, he, he, you know he had he had in theory you know the faster tire strategy because the mediums didn't seem to be sorting suiting many people and stroll had a, two sets of used mediums um whereas Vettel obviously only had to do that one in the middle of the, of the race and then and then uh and then got to put on a nice set of new softs i i don't know how he's 
I genuinely don't know how that's what's happened for Vettel there. That's a, it's a really shame. It's a real shame that one. But you know, it's a good it's a good result for Stroll and on balance. Let's be honest, that's that's one that's gonna that's that's a better result overall um, for for next year. Vettel is you know going to be. I mean, he's had, he's had a poor race to be honest. He, he's lost a couple of positions uh, overall. I didn't really say much of the much of the valve uh, of the Aston Martins to be honest. Um, you know, I know that I know they were obviously involved in stuff, but they weren't. Um, you know, I think that was a bit of a ding dong from obviously from yesterday. That was about it, um, unless I'm missing something egregious. But yeah, no, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a great uh, yeah great weekend for Stroll. Um, obviously coming off the back of that penalty and starting fifteenth. But yeah, no, for Vettel, it's uh that's not great. It's uh it's it's a poor way to to end probably the last well the last time he drove around Brazil. Uh, in an F1 car, and it just leaves Abu Dhabi to try and extract something from. Yeah, he does have a good record in Abu Dhabi. He does tend to race quite well there, but uh, generally only only in uh, in good machinery. Which uh, Aston is getting is you know given their props, they have improved over the last sort of five or six races. But uh, but yeah, I, I can't see a, a bumper result there for Vettel. But uh, Pierre Gasly, then Tom, uh, you avoided getting a race ban today, although it was a little bit tentative for uh, for a time after yesterday's uh, after yesterday's sprint. Um, he's now going to be treading on. Egg shells right up until may when his uh, the next super license points come off for his new team how did you see his race and and how's he gonna how's he gonna cope with this this situation hanging over his head now well speaking of someone who has tread a fine line with points on a license and coming close to getting a ban i know kind of how he feels granted mine wasn't on the racetrack unless that's what you call the m4 <laughs> at 2 a.m um <laughs> But no, um, I wish that's a joke as well. Um, that that aside, um, I mean, he's just got to keep his nose clean. Um, part of the issue with something like that is he needs to. Um, there are some factors which are going to be outside of his control, and it's like if if he's caught up in a collision, and the stewards deem him to be somewhat at fault. There's nothing he can do about that because he had it. I think it was in Turkey last year, maybe the year before, when he had the first that clash with um, Alonso and I want to say someone else. And it was everybody commentators, everybody said a rating incident, and stewards gave him a, gave him a five second penalty and points in his license or something. So it's um, you know, so so he needs to do what he can to keep himself out of trouble. Um, I mean, Abu Dhabi's got like 14 million runoffs on each corner. So he should be all right um, for, uh, for for runoff and, you know, for, for not getting tangled up with someone too much. He's, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's just, oh, I don't, I don't know. He's just, he's given up with Alpha Tower, isn't he? You know, he's got one race left. He's grown quite disillusioned with them. You know, if you think back to the heights of, you know, Monster 2020 and then last year he had such a good season. This year, you know, he's just, I think I think ever since it was announced that Checo was staying at Red Bull for a few years, I think that was when I realised that look, I'm really not getting back in that team. And I think from there on, I was when he started looking elsewhere. And then Alonso has done the most Alonso thing by moving to Aston Martin, you know, the absolute goat team of the field aside from Williams. Um so so yeah, he, you know, it's just uh you know, things have somewhat fallen into place for him. Whether he's going to be any better Alpine, I honestly don't know. Um, but he just needs to keep his head down, keep his nose clean. I mean, say the points come off at the start of May, that still gives us, what, four or five races plus Abu Dhabi's this season before he has any points off his licence. So, 
you need to be careful. You need to be really careful because he is treading up fine line. Um, and he'd be the first driver since what Grosjean in twenty twelve to get a race ban for tossing up. And yeah, the Belgian well, yeah, Grosjean wasn't even for yeah, but Grosjean wasn't even for tossing up. That was an instant race ban. That was the reason they brought in this point system. So it's uh, he would be the first. And I think it's a bit of a bad look for Formula One if he does end up with a race ban. So let's just say I think if he gets through Abu Dhabi without getting any points, there may well be some rule clarifications next year, and uh, they may well they may well change some of the points allocation. And uh, and uh, and given that we have more races now, they may well say, oh no, it's it's, it's now fifteen for a race ban or something like that. I, I can see that happening because it's not a good look for Formula. Formula One to have a driver that's you know can be a bit reckless sometimes, but certainly isn't dangerous, and um, for him to end up getting a race ban. But um, up next then is is Joe Guanyu, Phil, and the, you know, at the safety car restart, he had the oldest tyres of anyone, and uh, was a was a little bit um, uh, screwed by the safety car there, and but still seems a step behind Bottas even without that. But uh, ending his rookie season in in decent fashion, I think. Yeah, I mentioned Joe uh, earlier. He was a step behind this weekend to Valtteri, but um, he doesn't, there are days that he does look like a rookie and there are days that he just blends in and there's nothing wrong with blending in. Um, you want more next year from him. Uh, you would think that Alpha Sauber wants to do well in their last year of their partnership. Um, I think the, you know, yeah, being out on the old tires, you're kind of screwed no matter what you do. Um, considering he was last in the race at points today, um, to end up 12th, even on old tires, uh, is kind of, I guess, you know, worst case, you know, or best case scenario. I mean, I think the, the next two people probably would be more grieved, uh, than Joe. So, I mean, credit to him. He goes and he'll get the rookie of the year or whatever. And, um expectations will be much higher uh going into year two for him uh for uh, his uh second year yeah i think he'll probably get the uh prescribed three years that franz toss said that every driver needs in formula one uh which i don't completely agree with but uh yeah i think he definitely it, it's a rookie season so we, we've got to take it with uh with a pinch of salt he's comparable to bottas and that's you know that's all you can really ask of him he's not embarrassing himself he's not embarrassing the team yeah if he's sure if he doesn't take a step forward next year then questions might be asked but certainly for a rookie season he's done okay um and someone who's you know we do say that this potentially is his rookie season as he didn't really have a proper car last year away and he's uh mick schumacher ran as high as eighth in the early stages but fell away in the second half was there ever really points on the cards for mick schumacher and uh is this the, the last race we'll see where we know that he's definitely a formula one driver or is it going to be nick hulkenberg incoming oh, i really don't know uh I, I like Mick Schumacher, but half of that's n not nostalgia. But um, you know, I just got sort of a, a preference for him, just because you know I, I kind of like his dad. Um, no, I don't know. It's he, he's not you know as much as he kind of get up to eighth, but he also you know through the pit stops he just kind of fell backwards. Uh, he's finished nigh on Guanyu Zhou and and things like that. Uh, sorry, Joe Guanyu, but. Joe Guanyu's a rookie, and he's finished ahead of him. And you know that was at a safety safety car restart where they had where he would have had ten laps to have a go at him. And you know maybe he's stuck. You know he's obviously got the same engine, so it just comes down to car performance. And there's not not too much between those two things, but uh, between those two cars. But he, I don't think he's showing enough promise. I think 
I think I've said it before. And as much as it's a business decision to to get Nico Hulkenberg in there, it's probably not the right one, but it's the one they're probably going to end up making. You know, I think Mick Schumacher, I think even points wouldn't have saved him. I won't save him uh, when it comes to getting an F1 seat. Uh, and that's a shame, um, to be honest. I think it's just going to be, it's going to be unfortunate that, um, you know, as much as he, he could put in a good performance and, and things like that and, and do fairly well, but um, he was never really the the pass that anyone was looking at this weekend, and um, and I just think it's going to be a case of you know sometimes we do see people come and go um, with 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 not the fanfare or or the success that we would hope for them, but you know I think that's just the nature of Formula One. It's, you take that away, you start taking away its soul. So as much as it, it hurts for Mick, it, it's just the way it's got to be, unfortunately. Yeah, I think he's he's had he's had his shot, and it just hasn't worked out. That's happened with hundreds and hundreds of drivers in the past, and uh, and I, but he does have the benefit that he, he won't be forgotten because of uh, all of the exploits of his father. He will just be uh, forever forever known. I, I mean, I'm sure Ralph Schumacher is very happy because he's no longer going to be known as the worst Schumacher in Formula One. So so that's that's certainly helped. But uh, it's certainly, as you say, points were were never really on the cards for him, and and there was only one team that seemed further away from points than anyone else. Tom and that's Williams and we're doing them together and Albon started on the hards but changed them after just four laps and that was you know seemed to be a, a, an active choice by the team it wasn't something wrong Latifi the only other driver on the entire field to try the hard tyres only lasted 12 laps on them how frustrating a race is this for Williams fans oh mate I couldn't even imagine being a Williams fan at the minute my god we're gonna be soul destroying um yeah I, I mean Albon went on to the hards because they were going to go long. That obviously went to Pan when um, when we had that first lap tussle. So that's that's why they sacked the hearts off quite early. It was the TC on hearts. Cool. I honestly don't know what to say about him. He's got one race left. Just try not to, you know, I don't know. Perhaps he can be the official Nutella supplier of F1 next year. I don't know. And, you know, I think that'd be, that's probably be a better job for him. I mean, I'll buy loads, obviously. Um, but, yeah, it's just... Uh, Williams, you, you know, just after last year where they were looking like they were actually going to get somewhere this year, and then it's just petered out into, like, utter nothingness. It's got to be, like, souls right for those people who work there. I mean, I'll say it. I hope they can come back stronger next year. I hope they can... I hope they're working on the car for next year. I hope they can identify what the fundamental issue is. Um, because that team has been on a steady decline throughout the turbo hybrid era. And drivers like Bottas and Massa only, you know, somewhat masked that effect. It's like the, the car has always had some potential, but it's generally been quite bad. And if you look like 2017 onwards, driver choices, um, you know, a few, you know, threes that I can think of off the top of my head, just everything, you know, that, that team just needs a big reset. And hopefully Dalton Capital can do that. I think they've got the right, they've got the right man with Josh Capito. You know, Josh has got the right idea. You know, I think he's the right man for the job. They've got a good driver in Alba, you know, he's on a multi-year deal. So there's going to be none of this. Oh, is he going to be gone? Or is he going to be going back to because you know he's not going to go back to Red Bull? You know, so uh, they've been lacking that stability. Obviously, obviously, when Russell was there, it was always that he was going to be going to Mercedes. 
people can deny all they want. He was always there as a Mercedes junior because obviously Williams is a Mercedes-powered team. Um, so hopefully a bit of stability in that sense can help. But my God, they need to have a proper look at what was going on. I know I was supposed to talk about them today in the race. The only thing I can say is that that's why Album got rid of the hards early is because the Williams were going to go long. Um, I'm probably probably bank on a safety car later on, which obviously came, but they sacked them off pretty because they obviously weren't going to work. And I don't think we saw anyone else go on hards um, throughout the race. Yeah, so just Latifi, the only other driver on those hards. It seems a baffling decision, but uh, um, obviously just didn't have the pace on them that they're, they're expecting. But um, but somebody else then, we'll move on to uh, the other Alpha, Alpha Tori driver then, Phil, is, is Yuki Tsunoda. A confusing moment for him today. It was On the last safety car restart, seeing him just pull to the side, letting everyone through. He was. Uh, I, I've gone back and watched this on the onboards, and he was he was on track ahead of the Williams cars. They passed him and unlapped themselves, um, and actually passed him for position. And the team are telling him hold position, hold position. We've not got the okay to go. And uh, and he lets the entire. Then he pulls over, and lets the entire field through on the uh, on the restart, including the Williams drivers that one lap earlier and overtook him. So confusion all round at AlphaTauri, but. Um, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing we saw from him today. But what what, what did you think about that? And, and what actually happened with that decision? How did that even come about? I mean, they take forever under these safety cars as it is. You know, these safety cars are long just like they are in, Amer- in North American racing series. Yes, there is the aspect of cleaning up incidents or taking a car off the track or whatever. Um, the first incident, which we'll get into here shortly, um, seemed to take a while, seven, six or seven laps, uh, getting the car that we're going to mention here in just a moment off the track. It was a VSC for three or four laps. Then they went to full safety car for another like six or whatever it seemed like. And then they insist on having lap cars unlap themselves, but then they don't give, how do the, how does the Alpha Tori team not get that message? Everybody else is unlapping themselves. Why isn't Yuki Sonoda? That's just, I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's the, they're their ninth or whatever in constructors this year. I, I, I think I'm right. I'll check myself. Just give me a sec here. Yeah, they're ninth in constructors or two points ahead of Haas. And it should have been worse for them today because Kevin Magnuson qualified had the great qualifying, had, didn't have as much pace in the sprint, but was able to score one point. I think Mick should have been in the points if it weren't for that last safety car. Um, they should be further behind in this spot. Their car is terrible. Um, they should be glad that Williams exists because Alpha Tori in the last few years has really went in the tank. And um, Yuki Tsunoda now is under pressure, more pressure than I think he was even this year because there really wasn't a clear-cut person um, that was going to take his ride. Um, there might be some aggro going on in the main team, but I have a hard time believing that he would ever get up to that team. Uh, they signed out Enzo Fittipaldi. They got other guys in their development program. So there's probably people in play for that seat at AlphaTauri. I don't think they're going to get rid of Nick DeVries um after one year uh i kind of figure for them to go through all that they went through that they would probably keep him around and would see him as somebody with the potential to move forward um so for yuki sonoda they hung him out to dry i mean yes he's had his moments where they've he's hung them out to dry but this was pretty bad 
um, management on their part and to not have him unlap himself and then basically not only give up spots to Williams one time, he gave up spots to Williams twice. Uh, will be an interesting one to hear uh, if they send out notices about what happened with that, but uh, pretty poor on their part. Um, he, it's not like they had a lot of pace, though. Uh, they're, they were getting blown blown past on the front straightaway with relative ease by virtually everybody. Yeah, it's a big season for Snowden next year. It's, uh, it, they've obviously brought in DeVries as a, as a replacement for Gasly, given that they are you know similar age and similar experience. It's just Nick DeVries' experiences have come from outside of Formula 1. So, um, yeah, if Nick DeVries is faster than Yuki Snowden, I think that will probably be that will be the the final nail in the in the coffin for him. But um, it seems odd talking about this man so far down the order, Lando Norris. I mean, he's uh, he he caused that final safety car of his car failure, five second penalty for for spilling Leclerc into the barriers, and a bad race all round for him and McLaren as a whole. I can't remember what position he was in uh, before his car went bang. Um, but yeah, no, obviously the I think uh... he was tenth from memory. That's not too bad, actually. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. So assuming he's tenth, and obviously he's, you know, served the penalty, I believe, by that point. Obviously, not great to to spin Leclerc off, but yeah, no. Um, it's I, I must say it is a little bit. I know it's obviously not easy at Interlagos. It's not exactly. It's not like one of these brand new facilities that has a nice uh, a nice escape road running both sides of the track. Um, obviously it is, and and it is obviously defined by the fact that half of it's on a on a big hill um so, but i think you know it was a little a little bit poor from him unfortunately to to park it on the right hand side but i'm really nitpicking um and to be honest he he did suffer a mercedes failure one of the first we've seen for a long long while um you know just a really opportunity part of the track so you know that's the, that's the only thing i can level against him but that's that's not that much uh in comparison yeah it's just it's not a not an amazing weekend really for him but i guess it doesn't matter because he's coming back next year anyway you know, it's one of those things. I think he did he did quite well at the, out at the start, but yeah, it's just that incident with Leclerc that's that sort of precipitated him going backwards, and and uh, and then obviously you know the fa- the failure really was what took him out. Um, it, it, it's a, it it would have been nice to see what he could have done without having that failure. Yeah, some minor steering damage helped hampered some of his pace, which is why he was dropping back. But I, th- I don't think he would have before his failure. I don't think he would have been much higher than that anyway. But move on to his teammate Tom, and uh, I'll come to come to you for this because I understand you've got some you've got some news on Daniel Ricciardo that's that's breaking. So I'll let you uh, let you reveal it. Yeah. So uh, in a shock to absolutely nobody on planet Earth, he has been deemed at fault for the collision with Kevin Magnussen on lap one. That gives Daniel Ricciardo a three-place grid drop ahead of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and also more points on his licence. He has up to eight penalty points on his licence. With regards to the actual incident, I think it's a, it's a slam dunk, isn't it? You know, he um, he tried to make a move on Magnussen. Um, he got it wrong. He hit Magnussen once practice and corrected kept on the line and then they collided again and the catalyst for all of this was Daniel Ricardo. so you know that's it that's that's what that's why you got the penalty you know both out lap one not a good day for McLaren at all just I mean oh god just what happened to him 
just you know, just yeah, just he's just been completely outdone by Lando for two seasons in in that in that McLaren, and it's just it's just a bit embarrassing from them, isn't it? Um, yeah, so he is he is on eight. Yeah, he received two penalty points. Um, didn't take them long to find him at fault. As she was reviewed all the video evidence, and they also had GPS anti data from McLaren and from Haas. I mean, that's going to tell you everything you need to know anyway. The stewards did acknowledge that the incident was not reckless. They also said, uh, uh, this is interesting, says um, the, the stewards also determined the incident between the two cars was not influenced by multiple other cars and it's therefore not a, quote, first lap incident. So from that, hmm. I... Um, that, that to me sounds like they consider a first lap incident to be when you have like a gaggle of cars going into say turn one, turn that turn one, turn one, two complex at Sintelagos. And you know, if you then have someone who got squeezed, you know, like three into one doesn't go kind of thing. That's why they consider a first lap incident to be looking at looking at the document, looking at the document here on the screen. It said, um, it said the series determined that Ricardo was wholly to blame for the incident and issue a drop of three places for the next event. Um, it also says the stewards t- determined that Magnuson drove in a normal manner for that corner and that he did not make any erratic moves, which I think is pretty accurate because you know, he, he was just keeping his nose clean from, from the cars ahead of him. And Danny Rick, you know, bit of an opportunist move. I mean, he's a racer. He's always going he's always going to sort of have a look. Um, any, any racing driver would. Unfortunately, Got it wrong and caused a double DNF. Um, it's quite it's quite a heavy shunt and quite a heavy bounce as well because um, uh, you know when you saw the car sort of bounce across bounce across the road to to come to the resting place in the wall, then it to be sort of like bouncing around quite a bit. But that could also be because that's how sort of firmly sprung these uh, these new regulation cars are. So yeah, Danny Rick bowing out in style by getting himself a grid drop, which will probably mean to qualify P16 and start P19, because let's be fair, he's unlikely to get out of Q1. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a far cry from Monza last year when, when, when he said, I never left. I mean, you can't leave if you don't turn up. That's what I have to say on him. Nice, nice. Well, the uh, the only driver who finished behind him was about three yards further behind him. Started the uh, the race with a with a well, started the weekend with a bang, Phil, and and certainly ended it with one as well, and reversing right into the side of Daniel Ricciardo as he span out of the uh, span out of the Grand Prix. One point for the team though scored this weekend in just the just the, the sprint. So a successful weekend for Kevin despite his early exit today. Yeah, unfortunate for him getting that. Uh huge pole position in the mixed qualifying on Friday, being able to lead a few laps again. I mean, yeah, he did lead last year when he was at IMSA running for Ganassi in the Cadillac program, but um, leading again in Formula One and um, having the great weekend, Gene Haas's 70th birthday this weekend. Uh, You know, getting the one point gives him a two-point gap going into Abu Dhabi, but the damage they had hopefully wasn't anything gearbox related or uh, power unit uh, related so that they would have to take a grid drop as well. But I, I mean, 
unfortunate end. I think he wanted, I think points were on offer for him today. The way all the strategy was going and the way that their car seemed to be working today, I think there was a chance for Kevin Magnuson to get points. Instead, he never really had a chance. Uh, but getting that one point might be the difference at the end of the day, um, this time next week, uh, when we're discussing the um, race in Abu Dhabi. Um, and where they finish in constructors. And to be fair, considering where they were this time a year ago with Egghead and um, and all that, to be qualifying on pole and having a car that was leading a race and, you know, the and Kevin Magnuson and the energy, the positive energy he's brought to this team in his second stint, um, there's, there seems to be hope, um, whether that hope go somewhere, whether it's Nico Hulkenberg or Mick Schumacher or whatever, and now they have a new sponsor. We will see, but um, a net, I think even with the first lap DNF, it was a net positive weekend for Haas F1, one of the best uh, moments in their in their existence. So um, they can leave this season at least having that piece out there. Um, Kevin Magnuson gets to go out, you know, of the season knowing that he was able to accomplish that too, um, living up to some of the potential that many people thought he had years ago when he got hired by McLaren. Certainly made himself a very popular figure in the paddock when people were a bit ambivalent to him in the past, and especially Nico Hulkenberg as well. But uh, we'll leave the uh, leave the, uh, the the sucking implements to one side for a moment because that that story is well and truly in the past. I think with with those two. But uh, we'll uh, move on to what what you guys think of the driver of the day. Then, so Owen, who are you going to go for for driver of the day? I mean, I kind of don't want to because because of who he is but i got i gotta go fernando alonso i mean anyone that can start 17th and end up fifth i mean it's just i i gotta go with him for it it's it, that's that's an astounding achievement even in a race uh, even in a race it's a bit topsy-turvy cool tom your your choice uh i'm gonna say carlos signs um but I think you do have to you do have to give special mention to Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton for their drives today. But signs given, like I said earlier, like he was um you know, he started with that grid penalty, completely outclassed his teammate. Um, you know, Fry did their best to mess up his strategy, but he still you know, he, he still worked his backside off for, for a podium and he got it on merit. Um, unlike his teammate who was saying, Please give me a podium, please give me a podium. So yeah, that's my impression of Claire. That's just what he sounded like. He sounded like Max, to be honest. So yeah, it was uh, yeah uh, for me, Carlos Sainz. Okay, and Phil. Yeah, I concur on Carlos Sainz. I mean, I was surprised when the vote came through, at least for F one. I think there was obvious, you know, where it is and who their favorite driver is. And yes, he made me my favorite driver, but Carlos had the best performance. Uh, I, I would give a, a honorable mention to the guy who did have the best weekend of his Formula One career um, to go and win the sprint after a mistake in qualifying, um, albeit it helped him stay in third, and then go out there, win the sprint, beat the world champion, and then go out there, hold off another world champion uh, to win your first Grand Prix. Um, while some in our group may or not be a fan of the guy, um, George Russell did go out there 
and um, did the job and got fastest lap, um, led the mo- less, most laps, and uh, also won a race and was able to hold off his teammate and then has been the better driver in the team this year. So Lewis will be beaten by a teammate for only the second time legitimately in his career. So that's something to be said about him too for people who want to talk about George Russell. Um, only Jensen Button can really say that. So that's something for George Russell. But uh, Carlos, uh, smooth the smooth operator, was on it today. Yeah, so it's now 20, is it, uh, no, f- 15 points of this between Lewis Hamilton and George Russell now. So, uh, uh, no, no, 25. Oh, I've 25. read that. So, yeah, let's see. Yes, 25. So, Hamilton needs needs a win. <laughs> needs a win and a fastest lap. So, yeah, you're right. George Russell is going to finish ahead of Lewis Hamilton uh, for this uh, th- this season, almost certainly. So, uh, congratulations to him and, uh, and, and a great race. And if you want to hear my drive of the day, you can listen to the Monkey Seat podcast recording tomorrow evening. And uh, that's, that's my plug for that. Uh, we'll be live, I think, roughly the same time that we'll be doing our Abu Dhabi preview for Grid Talk as well. So, come and listen to Grid Talk first and then listen to the audio version of, uh, of monkey seat podcast straight afterwards um owen does uh, where can people go to, to see and hear more from you it won't be twitter um i, I think i've started a protest of twitter uh, just just because of elon musk being in a hell of his own making um <laughs> i'll lend you the eight quid i don't mind no i don't want the eight pound <laughs> I, <laughs> it's too funny watch it's too funny watching elon musk being an advertiser hell um <laughs> But you know, you made your bed on that one, mate. So, uh, so I'm sitting it. <laughs> um, if you want to look at my old tweets, uh, they're available on uh, at our own Medford, I think. <laughs> I'm not verified, but that's okay, how you know thanks. that I'm actually verified. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, Tom, where can people hear from you? Oh, uh, you can't really. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna keep to asking say. you until you get something. Get well, Mastodon. Who? I don't know. That's a band. Um, sorry, I'm at Sonosphere 10 years ago, actually. Um, but no, uh, no, well, you know, I've got my own Instagram, which is cool, which you're not going to know about. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't have Twitter or any of that nonsense because I'm far too old. Um, and I'm not paying eight quid for a blue tick. There's a bloody credit crunch going on. Come on. Um, but uh, as, as a grid talk, uh, Tom, I'll give you the spiel about that in a minute. That's where you can find most of my wafflings. And or, I'll, I'll you, keep your OnlyFans page for my personal use. Well, well yeah, that's private. Um, yeah, or you can hit me up on you can hit me up on LinkedIn of all places, um, but it's on my <laughs> work phone, so I won't respond during the weekends. Okay, Phil, tell us about the Grip Strip Pod. Yeah, after I almost threw up on myself, uh, that's that's a great segue. Um, uh, Grip Strip Podcast, we do it every week. We talk about all things motorsports. Uh, whether it's in North America or the world, uh, we'll go over the Sao Paulo Grand Prix um, tomorrow. Uh, myself and my co-host Joshua Fine. You can find me on Twitter at Philip G Matthew. You can find us at Gripstrip Pod there, and Josh at JP Huffine. Uh, our show is basically anywhere you can find podcasts. We're also at philipgmatthew.com, and. Um, We'll um we'll be on tomorrow for episode one forty four uh, to go over all those things and uh, world superbikes world rally championship 
WEC, et cetera, et cetera. We go over all things motorsports. So uh, talk about that. Got a little bit of NFL action in there as well. Um, and uh, thanks to you, Tom, even with the technical difficulties, you're able to fight through there. And uh, great to be on, as always, on the Grid Talk with uh, you guys, Tom D and Owain and everyone. We have fun here. Uh, pick at each other but we have a good time so it's always great to be here amongst uh, a great group here thanks a lot phil yeah it's always great fun when you're on as well we can always guarantee some hot takes so uh thank, thanks for your contributions as as uh, as always and if you want to hear more from from grid talk hopefully with a a visible host um i'm going to get onto bt as soon as i finish this well not actually not sorry, tomorrow morning get straight onto bt to get this sorted but uh if you want to hear more from the grid talk we do have a huge back catalog of shows you can go back and listen to all of our race shows, uh, most of them anyway, go out live uh, on YouTube straight after the event and our audio version is up slightly later, which is available on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio and Pocket Casts. We also run a Patreon if you want to help us continue what we're doing, then please consider donating to us as everything does go back into the show so we can improve your experience. We will be back tomorrow for the uh, the, the preview of the final race of the season, the uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. So we look forward to seeing and hearing you then. Goodbye. <laughs>